0: To stray reads, our monthly book club podcast. Um, we are a cozy feed, so settle in. I'm Sol, and joined as always. I'm with my co-host uh, Sergio. Uh, before we, you know, dive right in, talk about our book of the month. Um, you know, normally we go over what we've been reading. Um, have you been reading anything new this month?
1: Hi. Um... Yes, I I have not read as much as I wanted to, but that still means I read like three or four books. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out a couple. I right after we finished recording our previous episode, I started reading uh, kind of a novella called The Housekeeper and the Professor, uh, which is by Yoko Ogawa. Uh, I had already read The Memory of Police uh, by her, which I really really enjoyed. It's a really cool. Like very kind of metaphysical, uh, magical realism book about like memory. It's a really a straightforward story on the surface, but then a lot of stuff makes you think maybe it's a metaphor for another thing, which I, I do really appreciate. I, I love that sort of uh, thing when reading. Uh, the Housekeeper and the Professor is way more straightforward. It's just a story about... Uh, This lady uh, who works for a housekeeping agency Mm -hmm. that gets assigned to a math professor who's lost his memory or at least like gets his memory reset every day. So it's it's like her developing a relationship or a friendship with this uh, professor and then her son gets involved, which is a kind of like a, uh, you know, primary school kid and it's Really sweet. Uh it's just lovely. I, I thought it was a very good time. Uh very cozy. Um yeah, it, it has like everything you would expect from that premise. And and it's not like excessively sad or anything. It's it's just really well executed. I thought it was really well written. Um so yeah, if, if anyone's looking for a uh kind of a breezy read uh that's gonna leave you feeling good, uh the housekeeper and the professor is a pretty uh safe bet. The other book I read uh, that I'd like to mention is uh The Witch King by Martha Wells. This is her new kind of series, uh fantasy series. Uh she's well known for writing uh for writing the Murderbot series which we already read. Um and this is her new new series. It's interesting. I didn't like it as much as Murderbot, probably not because mm. it's it's it, it was pretty long um it tends to be somewhat obtuse i i maybe was not in the like right place uh to read it uh, because it really does demand some mental commitment uh, from you to keep all the names and locations and uh it keeps alternating between two different timelines which is kind of popular nowadays with like fantasy books so you get like what's happening now and then what happened like however many years ago um to the main character and I kept like mixing those up because I just didn't have the attention required to like <laughs> uh keep everything in order I didn't uh, end up enjoying it I'll probably read the next book mm-hmm. uh, but this probably deserves a reread at some point so I can just keep everything straight um I, I did have some trouble with that and it's way longer than... I think probably all of the Murderbot Diaries novellas put together. Um so yeah, it's, it's quite ambitious. I, I do like it. I do like some of the concepts in it. Um like there's conflicting magic systems, uh there are some really like wild details uh, regarding like the source of, of magic and, and the kind of like magical uh beings that are in the in the like setting. So, yeah, I, those are the two that I, that I did enjoy, uh, from this month. I very briefly will mention that I revisited, uh, one of the very, I, I'm going to say one of the very first books, not that I read, but that I read after deciding that I wanted to get into books again, uh, which was The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, which is, uh, by Stuart Turton, and it's a kind of a murder mystery but it's got like this either you you may think of it as like a sci-fi or fantasy band in that there's a time loop involved and the main character gets like put in a different body every time uh the murder occurs so they get reset like at the beginning of the day and they have to like combine the knowledge from having different perspectives on the same events that happened during the night in order to figure out who murdered uh, Evelyn Hardcastle uh, per the name of the book. And it's interesting. I like it. I do not like, I do not love the ending, uh, but I do think it's a fun ride Um, and the, uh, it's kind of well written. So yeah, I I did enjoy that. Um, And I also read this uh, month's book, obviously. (laughs) So that's, (laughs) That's it for me. Uh, Have you read anything this month?
0: Uh, So I've read a little bit. I'm still... um, It's been a busy month. um, Just with, you know, holidays, all of that going on. And, you know, beginning of summer... Um, but i've been continuing my journey with uh, the saxon stories you know which the last kingdom show you know is based upon um i'm trying to sort of line them up with like arcs of the show so like you know the the books that sort of correspond with the seasons of the show just to sort of yeah. see the the various changes cuz like the the first book is mostly the first season um but there's bits and pieces they sort of moved around um and then after that you know the the second and third book are still there's aspects of that in the first season but then from there it kind of a, um they're sort of like in little mini arc so just, just to sort of keep things straight um so that's sort of been ongoing you know there's I think what I said like 13 14 of those books so I'm, I'm just starting that slow sort of in my own time um you know not trying to race through it you know so I don't get burned out on that um you know because they are pretty substantial books I would say I think they're usually about, 200 plus pages or so. So um, that's sort of like the main reading project I've had. Um, Though while I was doing some like, you know, just regular spring cleaning, I did end up finding a book, uh, sorry, a box of um, some of my um, books I had from childhood um, that I happened to at some point, I guess, brought over with me. I didn't realize I had them. So I've been rereading some of those. Um, the, The books I found are actually, it's, I would say, not middle grade, I think probably a little lower reading than that um, for reading levels, but uh, the Enchanted Forest series by Patricia Reedy, um, which is a sort of, you know, a fun take on uh, fairy tales. It's really about a princess who thinks, you know, princess stuff is silly and uh, volunteers to, to be kidnapped by a dragon and, you know, go from there Um, but it's nothing too serious and I think it's just sort of a fun you know thing to read uh, in the meantime you know while everything's so busy it doesn't require a a whole lot of uh, attention or anything like that Um, short sweet you know and I you know bringing up some of those feelings of uh, nostalgia you know going going through every time I you know I discover something else you know I had packed up I didn't realize I had over here Um, so that's always fun
1: yeah that sounds like fun um I don't really have much nostalgia for books uh, that I read in my childhood uh but I do remember very distinctly a poetry book that I like it's a poetry book for children mm-hmm. uh that my parents bought me at a supermarket like when I was I must have been like 6 or 7 mm-hmm. uh I'm pretty sure it's still somewhere in my in my shelf should probably dig that up and and see if I can also uh discover some nostalgia for it
0: yeah, I'd be interested to I was, see... I was
1: also going to mention... Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I'd be interested to see what you think, uh, you know, revisiting something you read, you know, um, you know yeah. from childhood.
1: I, I was also going to shout out the fact that over at uh, the Discord that we are both members of, uh, we've been doing the fighting fantasy books, which are kind of like choose your own adventure uh, style books that are actually quite interesting. I didn't know they existed. Uh but someone's being kind enough to be like sharing the book uh with the group as we like play along. Uh and it's a lot of fun because there's like stat tracking and item like inventory and and stuff and it's a lot of fun to like play those with uh with with uh people.
0: Yeah, I've uh, never yeah. never done one of those like as a group event, so that that does sound fun. I know you guys were, were yeah. talking about the
1: they're really not designed for playing as a book um as a group i mean but it's it's a lot of fun we kind of house ruled uh (laughs) some stuff in order to be able to like play uh alongside each other Uh, but it's been a lot of fun uh some of those are not well written uh but they are fun to play with people (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think sort of some probably probably the writing sort of beside the point. It's more of the the group activity and enjoying the the story and sort of what random endings you can get for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, very funny. Uh, there there are some very fun interactions that can arise out of like be play, like playing a choose your own adventure group uh, book as a group.
0: Anything else you had to share, or is um, that pretty much? sort of wrapped up all the. I think the reading between us, I know we were both saying it's been a little bit of a busy month.
1: It has, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I traveled a lot this month, so I didn't have as much of a chance to read. Um, and I've been playing a lot of video games, to be fair. So that's also been like an obstacle. Uh, but, you know, it's another kind of entertainment. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like valid still.
0: Yeah, different, um, different yeah, kind of yeah, reading. Not, not
1: much more to share. We can move on to our uh, book of the month.
0: Yeah, so uh, this month we are going to be talking about uh, This is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Motar and uh, Max Gladstone. Um, it's a little bit of a, a viral pick, um, you know, and we don't just pick randomly ourselves. It's, you know, the book club's fault, you know, but I think uh, in this case, uh, the meme lived up to the hype, Um
1: yeah, blame them for yeah. being so mainstream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and not to say that I think we've had any duds or anything like that, you know, just sometimes it's what's picked is not going to be my first pick, but I do appreciate it because, you know, you never know where the group is going to sort of align with, you know, and I, in general, sometimes it's just, it's fun in general to give them a hard time for some of their picks, but um you know, I do do know a few of them do listen to the the podcast. You know, you know after assigning us this homework. But I, I think in this case, like I said, I, I did really um, enjoy this particular story, even though I had no idea anything about it until everyone started posting like all the all the Twitter memes, all of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I read this back in I want to say twenty. Actually, I I've got my Goodreads activity here. Uh, 2019, I read this back in December 2019, um, closer to its release date, uh, and I really, really liked it. I was happy to see it, like, arise in the public consciousness once more, uh, thanks to the Vigolas-Dicolas saga, (laughs) uh, where, where they just blindly recommended it, and it just, like, got picked up by everyone for some reason. Uh, but you know, it could have happened to way worse books. So I'm really happy it happened to this one. I, I really like, um, Amal El-Motar as an author. Um, she's written, I, she's written some really nice books and she's written some really nice articles too, uh, which I, uh, I'm, I'm going to reference, uh, at least once, uh, during this, uh, podcast. Um, yeah, uh, I, again, really liked it. It's a really short book. Um, I, I don't think summarizing it would take longer than like five minutes, really. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm i surprised to hear it was your first time. I did believe that uh, it was kind of more well-known, but I guess it really did explode in popularity uh, after after the Biggola-Dicolas tweets.
0: Yeah, I think some of the... You know, am I reading um, history? You know, I, I read a lot, you know, you know during childhood, you know, then I had took a big break. And then, you know, um, mm. you know, when BookTube was really big, I started reading all the popular books. And then I ended up with so many books because I was just buying everything like they're buy this book. Um, sure. I, I had to sort of cut myself off. So I really got out of the habit of any like popular up and coming books. Um, to like not really try not to check out because I would always have that impulse to buy. Um, so I think that sort of shied me away from like any like sort of more mainstream stuff, you know, that's mm-hmm. been coming out. So it's it's why I've been enjoying, you know, being part of the, you know, the book club because, you know, I can sort of pace myself, you know, one book a month, that kind of thing. I'm not feeling pressured to buy this, buy this, buy this. Um, So I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've, I believe I've seen like the cover, Um, but yeah, I really really hadn't heard you know too much about it you know prior to you know everything going on um
1: okay i was going to ask you if you'd heard of it before
0: yeah i don't like i said the cover seemed familiar to me so i think i've probably seen Mm -hmm. it at some point like recommended probably on a list of you know books to read this summer that kind of thing but um that probably is my beginning and and an extent of uh the book, and I'm not familiar with either author, so this is the first time I've read, you know, anything by either one of them. Um, hmm, okay. So it's was a complete? It is
1: a pretty, it is a very pretty cover, yeah, uh, with the verse and like the very striking title. I like how long it is. Um, this is how you lose the time war. It's not a like concise title, <laughs> uh, but I do really like it.
0: Yeah, I think sort of the trend. L- has been to sort of have shorter titles. I've always liked longer titles because I think you can do a lot more with them. I hmm. really, you know, like the the fact that it is so wordy. You know, it is, you know, a book, you know, about correspondence. So, you know, there's a lot of play with, play with words, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think we can, you know, sort of dive into it a little bit here. It's a little bit of a straightforward read for us. You know, I think kind of a, a rarity. You know, we could have probably made this a really confusing episode, maybe by choosing to divide things by like point of view. Like I read only the red chapters and you read the blue chapters oh, or God. something. No,
1: that sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> and then tried to like figure that out what like the, a nightmare. no, then tried to figure out what the story was actually about <laughs> by piecing it together. And, you know, over the podcast. I, I was just trying to think of ways oh, we could God. have made this worse for us. Um, but no, we just, we read a book this month. Um, didn't make it too challenging, but, um, basically it's a, uh, I would call it a spy romance, uh, between two rival agents that are like the best in their respective fields. Um, we open the book with red who is, uh, agent sort of from more of a futuristic agency, you know, just known as the agency. Um, she, you know, is is, is on a mission, um, which at first seems like she's winning, um, but then as the chapter unravels, we sort of le- realize that she is um, being played by a formidable opponent in blue, um, who actually encodes a secret message to Red, uh, thus beginning their correspondence like through time and space. Um, and that's that's pretty much uh the book blue is um from what i understand um from an agency that's i guess i pictured it more as like a uh like a conscious like bioorgan organism yeah, like a, that, kind of a accurate. hive mind like yes okay because that's sort of how i pictured it like and it, it's called the garden um and it's it's is it based in the past? I was some of this I was a little confused about. <laughs> like I was reading this, I'm like I'm not quite sure where everyone is located. But I pictured the agency seemed more very futuristic, very alien, whereas um, the garden was very. Some cases they're almost calling them like fae or. Uh, the-
1: yeah, um, I would say like the division is more kind of technology versus, uh, like plant. Uh, but it's sort of like plant magic,
0: yeah, uh, which
1: is, I think, very fun uh, because we get a lot of allusions to Red's body. This isn't a book that is super concerned with technical details or lore or anything. You're not going to get a lot of explanations if you're looking to like super understand the setting, uh, but roughly we get allusions to Red's body being like, modified uh, probably through genetic alterations and uh, technological like uh, implements. Uh, she gets like extra organs that uh, allow her to you know, survive in hospitable environments and things like that, uh, while Blue seems to be more about like the natural world. Uh, so they're like two opposing views of, I'm not going to say like utopia because both sound like they are very extreme about their approaches to things and, like, the end game for both of them, Uh, but two, like, very extreme uh, ends for, like, evolutionary development or or something along those lines. And they're, like, duking it out throughout time and space for, like, superiority.
0: Yeah, I... Like I said, while reading this book, sort of a lot of it is really left to the imagination. There'll be like little bits and pieces here, but really sort of, yeah, getting a clear picture of what the overall view of like these organizations are. it's it's very much, you know, a story about red and blue. um, you know, yeah, they, they... It,
1: it also very much does not matter.
0: yeah <laughs> like, I
1: mean the, the focus is very much uh <laughs> red and blue, and you know, them realizing they can escape from these. I, I think probably eternal war. It doesn't seem to me like they're in a state where anyone's going to make a huge breakthrough against the other. We do get uh, Blue later on kind of concocting a scheme that is apparently a big win for Garden, uh, but we don't really, I, I don't feel like the needle really moves at any point in the novel, which makes me think this is just a pointless conflict just happening you know, constantly and, and without any ending in sight.
0: Yeah, I got a similar picture. I sort of felt like that the whole status quo is just the two of them going, you know, the two sides going back and forth. Like there would never be like an actual winner, you know, in this this particular war. It was just something that sort of like ebb and flow, you know, throughout time. You know, sometimes one side would seem like it's winning, but, you know, would sort of swing back the other way. Um
1: yeah, these are like organizations full of demigods traveling through a multiverse in terms of time and space uh trying to 5D ch- chess one another. Uh, uh it it just doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. Um I I I like the uh nebulousness of you know us not knowing exactly how it is they travel through the strands, which is what they call like timelines and universes that they travel through, uh, they just show up and they kind of, I don't know if we're supposed to believe or, or assume that they take over someone's body in that place, or if they themselves like pass themselves off as inhabitants of that world. Um, but, you know, they, they're able to like poison people uh, as many as they want, they can, go and kill your uh, ancestors or your never born, stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's very easy for the tables to turn at, an, at any second. Uh, and that allows them both to just continue fighting uh, indefinitely.
0: Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of both because they do, um, and we might, as we're talking about this, just because of the nature of the books, skip around a little bit here, but they do mention later on that Red's boss, the commandant, um, they make a point of mentioning her basically taking over someone else's body in that time. Um, as And in the way, sort of in the wording of that particular chapter, it seemed like that was maybe unusual or something that they didn't always do. Um, so I pictured it, it was sort of a combination of both, but maybe like the higher up agents are able to actually like literally hijack people, um, you know, and walk mm. around in that time as that person. Yeah. And, you know, like we said earlier, sort of the, the main the crux of the, the story is really these um exchanges. You know, after Red receives this letter, you know, from blue, they start exchanging letters back and forth. You know, there is always that uh underlying element of uh betrayal. Um, you know, and then at the sort of at the end of each chapter, there's like a sort of like a little bit of like a stinger with um a mysterious um sort of what's known as a seeker that sort of appears and usually in some ways, I guess, sort of the easiest way to describe it is eats or devours like the actual message because the letters that they're exchanging or the messages, I should say, aren't like written, um, you know, like paper wise, you know, they can be um, just in how you would like, you know, read like tea leaves or i'm just trying to think um i think there was one that was sort of just, just the arrangement of some bones um and the way that the sound um like the wind hit them that was how the the message was communicated so these aren't like literal like um left messages they're almost encoded in time and encoded in space um so there is this sort of shadowy uh, presence that um, seems to be sort of uh, pursuing our, our agents through time, um, which is sort of the the way the, like I said, each, each chapter sort of closes. Um.
1: Yeah, to talk a little bit about the structure, um, I, I think it's a really fun one. You get your chapter, which is usually a very short scene about part or the ending, I would say, of either Red's or uh, Blue's, mission for that chapter. Uh and then they stumble upon a message which, like Saul said, is going to be, you know, pretty much anything. Um like I'm I'm looking at one now, uh, in which there's a an egg that cracks and then there is like a word that resolves in uh in the if I'm not mistaken, it's like the contents of a bird's stomach uh, that just reads blue, and that's how she knows she got a letter. Uh, the delivery mechanisms are, are a lot of fun. Um, but again, it's just like this same structure every time. Uh, at the end of a mission, they stumble upon uh, a letter encoded in some way. Um, then we get a little bit about the Seeker, uh, in which the Seeker kind of grabs the remnants of whatever the letter was and somehow puts it uh, or puts them into their body, like eating them or at some point she finds some splinters, which are the remnants of the body, and she just uh, of embeds them into uh, their fingers, um, which is fun. And then we get the actual letter. Uh, So if it's a blue chapter, we get a letter from Red. Uh, and if it's a red chapter, we get a letter from blue.
0: Yeah. And I, I, as I was reading, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I was, I guess, initially um, a little worried that the format was going to get a little repetitive. But, you know, I think having such a, you know, it's a little bit of like you were saying, sort of like a one act play. um and then mm-hmm. you sort of it sort of reveals you know the mechanism for how the message is. And I think that's really what kept me interested. And the tone of each message, you know, um you know, as we get deeper into the book, um, really kept me engaged. Um I really liked the uh, um, a lot of times, you know, with point of view, uh, varying point of view stories, I find that you know certain characters can sort of start to sound the same. But I thought in this case, mm-hmm. it really was a distinctive tone. Um, between um, you know red and blue like red has a very more stiff more formal um, writing style it's it's actually based uh, they make a joke of it sort of in universe that it's based on like an old etiquette book that red happens to find um, in order to to be better at correspondence because has never apparently has never really written to anyone before whereas Blue has a much more sort of free flowing style, um, hmm. and overall just seems a little bit better. I, I think a little bit more socialized uh, between the two.
1: Yeah, you you know why that is other than obviously them being different characters.
0: Well, I I, I would imagine it's uh, probably the way they actually ended up, you know, writing the book. I'm imagining they probably switched off the, the two authors. Like one probably picked one character and one picked the other.
1: Yeah. Uh, so red's letters are completely written by Max Gladstone, and blue's letters are uh, Amal El Motar, which I think is very funny uh, because they supposedly wrote kind of a general outline uh, before starting the novel, and then they kind of let themselves be surprised by each other's letters. So there's a an element of like genuine letter exchanging happening here. Uh, Which I think is very cool in like as a concept in terms of writing.
0: Yeah, as I was reading, I was wondering if that's actually how they pulled it off. Because if you read some of the letters, um, you know, it really feels like they're sort of each character is really uh, in their own mindset. So if as you start to read it, it does seem like there is like a general, uh, a genuine, I should say, back and forth, you know, um, like an actual correspondence happening. So that's really neat that they did actually uh, do that and were able to sort of send each other letters to uh, complete the, the overall story.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it almost feels like a game, right? There's like these journaling games um, that people do, uh, which are kind of like very light tabletop. Uh, yeah, games.
0: yeah. I was, I, I was actually uh, going to bring that up, or at least that was one of the things I had at the back of my mind. I was wondering if maybe mm. that was how they started planning this story, and then decided, oh, what if we actually turned it into a book? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it really lends itself to like people following this uh, as a template for like writing their own like fictional correspondence. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, speaking a little bit to what you were uh, mentioning before about like the repetition of the structure, I actually love that. I felt like this book had really great cadence. Mm-hmm. Like the each chapter is super short. Uh, I really love the very small vignettes we get of every like small scenario that we go to. Uh, They're really wild. They go from like just what seems to be like standard history, uh, you know, just hanging out with uh, some general or uh, hanging out at some, you know, pastoral village in, you know, nondescript medieval times to a cult of robots that are (laughs) like... uh, in a pilgrimage towards what seems to be like an old computer, like a Macintosh and so on and so forth. Uh, It's a lot of fun just getting this little glimpse of a, you know, world that again, I think to the book's credit uh, is just basically a a sprinkle of lore that we get um, and nothing else. So it really leaves a lot up to, you know, the reader's imagination. And then just quickly going into these very personal, uh, emotional letters is a really good structure. I think, uh, you know, it grabbed me back when I read it first and it grabbed me again in the second, uh, read through just, I couldn't stop reading. It's, it's got that, uh, one more like one more turn (laughs) Uh, quality that is found in like strategy games for me or like animal playing like animal crossing you got like another day is going to be like 20 minutes max so I'm just going to play another one Uh, that same fact I feel like this book is the one that that it has on me Uh, I I look at the you know pages left in chapter uh, count on my reader and it says like seven or something and I go, yeah, why not? Seven more pages. And and I get this like little tidbit of like world building um, this very like cool delivery message for a letter. And then the letter itself, which, yeah, I, I was really happy with, again, the, the cadence of reading that this book kind of like encourages me to have.
0: Yeah, and I was also a fan of, like, uh, just little things, you know, like you were saying, in the letters themselves, they come up with, um, you know, creative ways to start addressing each other, um, you know, as they get more familiar. Um, uh Just little things like that, uh, you know, they, at first, it feels like that, despite the fact that you have, like, these, I mean, I guess they don't really say, but you know what? this ongoing war between these two agencies that, you know, could have been happening, you know, for forever, um, you know, literally, um, but they really don't seem to know much about each other and are both very, you know, alien, you know, almost very different species in a way. So to sort of break past a lot of the the hearsay and rumors among the, um, you know agencies, and you know to be able to sort of begin asking each other questions. You know, and at first it's just something like, you know, what do you eat? You know, and then it's like, you know, well, do you even eat? Um, and slowly, sort of unraveling the puzzle of each other is very interesting. Um, you know, we start to learn a little bit more. You know, like you were saying, a little bit more background. You know, Blue um, eventually mentions, you know, you know how during their childhood there was a time where they were very ill, um, and actually almost rejected because they were. I believe they sort of describe it as being like severed from garden and basically had to be cut off because they were compromised um, because, you know, they mysteriously fell ill. Um, So you you start to sort of learn about little sort of tidbits about each of the characters and sort of, you know, what, you know, made them into these two very highly uh, promising agents. Um, You know, and at first, you know, obviously the messages are a little bit more taunting, but, you know, gradually over... time, you know, they become a lot more flirtatious and then just, you know, basically just, you know, straight up love letters.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which they are very uh, kind of saccharine, but in a way that really works for me.
0: Yeah, I I think with this particular structure, you know, um, you know, it did really work overall. Um, Again, it was one of those things like I wasn't sure what to expect, but, you know, I was like you, you know, it was... I'm, I'm a little bit more of a slow reader sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll go off and do other things or, I, you know, try to, you know, read in between while doing other stuff. And like with this book, I literally just had to sit and read the whole thing <laughs> before I was able to mm. do anything else. Like I could not put this book down. I was like, I have to know like what's going to happen. Like what's the next, you know, next letter. What's going to, you know, keep going. um You know, so I was you know, it was one of those books that just sort of flew by, you know, and I was like, oh, it's already over, you know, that was like, pretty much one of my main disappointments is just getting through it so fast, because I would have been fine reading, you know, you know, more chapters of just even more of this.
1: Yeah. Um. Do you want to continue the, the summary? I'm not even sure where we left off.
0: <laughs> yeah, we kind of jumped around a little bit. But like we said, you know, sort of, the main chunk of the novel is, or the story is basically, you know, them exchanging those messages. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we do get some of those tidbits. Um, like a lot of uh, time traveling stories, it does get a little little convoluted. But basically uh, what ends up happening um, is eventually the commandant who we mentioned before, um, Red's commanding officer, um, basically uh, detects or is informed of the exchanges that are happening between... Um, Red and Blue, um, and then she basically uh, forces uh, Red to um, send Blue, um, like, a poisoned message that will kill Blue upon reading it.
1: Yeah, they they kind of catch on about Blue trying to contact Red, or as far as they know, like, Blue has only, like, only started to try to contact Red, and what they say is, we're going to, like, set a trap uh for blue so that when you reply you are going to be sending like this uh poisoned letter which is literally a set of poisoned uh is it like fruits that grow out of seeds
0: I thought it was like a flower if i'm not mistaken flower yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah it is a flower um yeah so so she is kind of obligated to create this uh fake letter
0: yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's a it's a test of loyalty to prove that, you know, she's not, um, you know, been turned or a double agent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I did want to mention here is like, uh, there isn't, you know, a whole lot of other characters, um, you know, there's, you know, the Seeker, there's a few other, you know, sort of shadowy figures mentioned, you know, the commandant though, I think is one of the other characters that sort of stood out to me just in general, just kind of, I think we, we talked a little bit about uh, before sort of that body snatching moment, but um, for me, the commandant actually really freaked me out. I think um, it was just a very like opposing figure. Um, I, you know, I felt very uh, tense, you know, when Red was being questioned, you know, and I, do you,
1: Yeah, we, We we mentioned earlier how this book is very much centered on red and blue and and the war is kind of like a background detail. But there is some stuff, you know, that comes with a book being said during wartime, which is like, uh, as you mentioned, like the othering of the enemy side. Uh, It isn't until they actually start exchanging letters that they learn very basic details about how the other one like lives and uh behaves, which is, you know, kind of like standard fare for war uh literature. And then there's also the Commandant, which is a pretty good, you know, in like representation or like an abstract representation of just the machine that is the military apparatus, just throwing bodies at the war, uh without much regard for like again, their humanity or what they may want or, or stuff like that. We see it a little bit more plainly with Garden, which is just straight up a hive mind uh, from which, as you mentioned, Blue was a bird, and that kind of allows them to have that link to begin with. Um, but, you know, Red's side isn't as different in terms of, like, they are equally committed to the war. Um, they do have to behave kind of like a machine in order to... Uh, fight effectively against the garden. Um, so those elements of like war fiction are definitely in there. And you know, as little as we get because we do get very little, uh, it is mostly about blue and red and their letters after all. Um, there is definitely that element of uh, you know, war stuff happening in the background and and Commandant is probably the biggest presence of you know an actual thread. Uh, Against Red specifically for, you know, having the uh, having this exchange uh, with Blue for so long and being vulnerable to them and giving them information that, uh, you know, uh, the agency definitely does not want uh, Garden to have.
0: And that's sort of interesting. I I, uh, I had sort of pictured Commandant as being a little bit more like middle management, but in your explaining there, you were sort of seeing Commandant sort of being at the, the top and being like the direct parallel to uh Garden. So
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I would call them the top, but they are like uh they're like the representation of, you know, authority within the agency. Uh, so they probably have someone that's superior to them, but like he's working in tandem, right? He's not betraying the agency or anything. So at that point, they're just another limb of the military system, regardless of their actual rank. He's just a, a part of the machine that is working.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair interpretation of it. Um, again, some of these details, you can sort of have to fill in uh, the gaps because it's it's not you know, spelled out yeah. like, some other stories exactly who everyone is. So you, I think everyone sort of starts to shape their own uh, narrative here. Um, did you have anything else uh, sort of comment about that? Or do you want to sort of uh, move on a little bit here?
1: No, I, I think we can probably move on to the end game.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. Um, so basically, yeah, you know, Red is um, tested with, uh, you know, proving their loyalty. So they ended up, you know, creating a poison message, but within that message is another message to warn blue of the danger. Uh, Blue still reads the message, you know, all the same, knowing it will kill her. Um, I think both to protect red, you know, just to, you know, prove she isn't, hasn't been compromised. And also just, uh, you know, for an, uh, like her undying, you know, sort of unending curiosity uh, on, you know, what reds last message would say. Um, So blue, you know, Blue dies, um, you know, and that's unacceptable for, uh, for Red, um, Red, you know, doesn't accept this outcome. Um, and so Red, uh, begins to, you know, travel throughout time, you know, basically, um, back to, uh, Blue's childhood to give her, uh, you know, immunity, um, you know, and basically save her from, you know, the poisoned, uh, message, uh, you know, allowing her to survive, um, it's that yeah,
1: she does this by taking on the uh the, the character of the seeker. So it is revealed that Red was the seeker all along, which I think is extremely heavily telegraphed. <laughs> I, at least it was not a, a surprise for me. Um and also uh, worth mentioning, uh she does get like an extra message from Blue, which is what prompts her to do this whole thing. Um Blue leaves her a message I'm not sure where I I want to say it's like the wall inside a cave or something. Uh, but this is where she suspects uh, there is another way of saving blue and this is what prompts her to like become the seeker and go and grab all of those fragments of uh, of of Blue's message. And this is specifically so she can become kind of like a hybrid between. The agency's body, which is what Red has, and Garden's uh, kind of sort of bodies, so that she can fool Garden long enough to infiltrate uh, like the deepest parts of that organization and reach uh, Blue uh, as a child, so that she can be the figure that uh, kind of seemed to poison her or seemed to like mess with her, which made Garden. Uh, sever her connection from the rest of it, uh, which was mentioned uh, some chapters ago, uh, which I actually I think, you know, ties a nice bow on, on top of the book.
0: Yeah, in my notes I sort of described it as uh, becoming purple, basically finding somewhere where they can um, mm. meet in the middle, like blue becomes a little bit more red, red becomes a little bit more blue, um, you know, and that's sort of where they're able to find a, a, i think a balance with each other
1: um yeah um so red is successful and I,
0: well successful
1: at <laughs> yeah giving away <laughs> giving blue immunity uh but he's not successful at once she's being discovered to be a agent of eight of the agency uh escape out of garden and gets captured and put in a prison, which I think is funny because uh, that does not seem like garden style to me. Uh, but I think she's like—is she handed over to the agency at some point?
0: I uh, so she she ends up um, escaping the the garden, and then um, when she gets back, then she's confronted by the agency oh, and arrested Oh, okay, her. so, so she there, does yeah.
1: escape garden. Yeah. Okay, okay, so she does escape garden, and is yeah. And then is captured by her own uh, comrades. That makes sense. It does make sense uh, to me that she's put in a prison. Uh, prison sounds like uh, agency's uh, style.
0: And then it's sort of um, you know at the the conclusion, you know, she she feels it was worth it. You know, if, if it had you know her mission had saved Blue, which in this case it did. It's um, then basically um, implied more than shown that Blue um, has found a way to engineer a jailbreak. Um, and both are, are able to, you know, go on to uh, live freely together, you know, somewhere apart from their respective agencies. Um, but that's pretty much where the uh, the novel, uh, you know, closes out. Again, it's, it's a short story, but I think there's like a lot there, um, especially, like I said, if you enjoy, enjoy wordplay, you enjoy, you know, interesting characters, you know, um, spies, espionage, all that kind of stuff. Um what were your, your overall thoughts of, of rereading it? Because, again, this isn't your first time going through it.
1: Um, I, I really liked it. I liked it as much as I liked it the first time, uh, really. I I feel like much of it uh, is kind of... Mm, I'm not going to say written for me, but uh, kind of vibes really well with me. Uh, I like the flowery language when... I I don't remember if it's red or blue. I think it's Red who says... She's going to like impersonate all of the uh, poets in the world, so that when Blue reads about love in a poem, she knows it's for her or something like that. And it's yeah, that totally works for me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's entirely my shit. Uh, give me more of that. I really love all of the like when they figure out they're in love and like it all comes pouring out in the most again saccharine way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I sign me up. I, I just love all of those letters. Um, it's it's very fun. Uh, again to like get caught up in the cadence of the book and like go from chapter to chapter, just bring a little vignette. Uh, and then reading these like very flowery, uh, colorful letters. Um, I love it. I, I really, really do enjoy the book. I also am someone that is not particularly bothered by not knowing all of the details of like how the world works or how the magic system you know is uh, concocted, like it has to be a, a, a scientific discipline or something. I just really enjoy you know them having like these incredible powers and abilities uh, without the book having to explain itself much because that's not really what it's concerned about. Um, and I do really like the epistolary format. I think that's super effective. Um, and the again, the way it was written with one of the authors writing one side of the letters and the other writing the other side, I think it's very clever and it uh, yielded some really great results. Um, and it's a really breezy read. I really enjoy it when I can just read a book for like four days. And that's like taking long uh, because again, it's really gripping and, and you don't really want to stop reading when you uh, really get in the kind of in the in the uh, right rhythm uh, with this one. But like I read it over like four nights and it was a lot of fun and I didn't feel like I had to like spend more time than I wanted or like overcommit reading the book. Uh, which I do really appreciate. I I like someone who can be like efficient and economical with words, uh, which this is a great example of. Um, so yeah, I you know not not a lot uh, of changes in my thinking from one read through another, but that's a good thing in this case because I really liked it the the first time and I really liked it this one. How about you? What was your experience as a first time reader?
0: So yeah, I was just sort of thinking about some of the things you were saying there. Yeah, I I don't need a book spelling everything out for me. I think I would have been frustrated if the writing um, hadn't earned it, but I think in this case, you know, there, there was enough there. I I do think the writing was very strong. Um, And, you know, even if like all the gaps weren't filled in, I do think it, you know, Mm. I felt like I read a complete book. I felt like I read a complete story. I felt like I, you know, I had something here, you know, and and sometimes you can sort of have those stories where it just feels like, Things just didn't get filled in and you can kind of feel, you know, like maybe the author got bored or just didn't want to put that in. But it really felt like every choice made with this book was very uh, deliberate um, and it came together in such a, you know, an organic way that, you know, I, I really don't have any uh, complaints about that Um I, you know, honestly, when I read it, I think, you know, maybe not everyone's going to get the, the, the reference. I know you will, but it really felt to me like a, like a mafia game. Cause I was constantly like questioning <laughs> everyone's uh, motive, you know, up until like the very end, I wasn't sure if we we're going to have like a, you know, uh, you know, you know, a double cross at the, the very end or, or mm-hmm. not, you know, and, um, it, it Like I said, it, it kept the momentum up. You know, I, I really enjoyed how distinctive, you know, all the voices were. Um, you know, I, again, you know, often I will do this. Um, I'll get like the, you know, the physical book, you know, and then I'll also have like an audio book. One of the nice things about the audio book is they did have different actors uh, for each role, which, you know, I thought was very effective. So that was one of the reasons why in my notes, I was wondering, you know, before you explained it earlier, if the, you know, the authors had decided to sort of break it up between, characters because each one was so distinct um
1: that that's a good shout out i i'm really curious about the audiobook now i I should probably grab that yeah a lot of fun
0: yeah the audiobook was a lot of fun they were very distinctive and you could tell that they were really getting into their their different characters because at first i was like oh is it going to be the same person for both roles which is is fine um i don't mind that but in this case i think it worked really nicely to have like two different actors you know have that back and forth because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. really felt like you were hearing two different letters you know you know and i highly recommend it
1: yeah yeah it's a it's a really fun book uh before i forget um i did want to mention one of amal el motar's uh articles that she wrote for m- npr um and i don't know if you m- noticed this i didn't remember it being as like obvious Uh, or like as strong as it is in this book, but uh, Amal el Motar really likes this other book called Travel Light. Uh, And it is Blue who recommends the book to read uh, like throughout this novel. And that is an actual book that exists uh, and it's a really good one. And it's written by Naomi Michison. uh, And I do really recommend that book. Uh, So I read about the book on... Um, you know, while reading, this is how you lose the time war. Uh, so I got curious and I googled it, and then I found this uh, article that uh, Amal El-Motar wrote for NPR about Travel Light, and it, it's a really fascinating book. Uh, again, there are some allusions to its plot throughout. Uh, this is how you lose the time war, and. That both characters read it and discuss it. Uh, it's like one of the threats that they discuss on their letters. Um, and I really like it. Uh, it. The article that I am referencing is called Crossroads and Coins, Naomi Michison's uh, Travel Light. Uh, again, on NPR. So if you Google that, you'll find the, the article. Um, it, it's a really good one. Uh, and the book itself is really good. So I do recommend it you to read uh, travel light.
0: I'm looking it up right now so I can pretend like I knew about this the whole time and act smart. Um yeah it looks it looks really cool. I'll have to check this out. This does look like um reading a little bit about the plot summary. So yeah that would be um yeah something uh, I'd be interested it, in following it's up with really
1: fascinating because uh Naomi Mitchison is a contemporary of J.R.R. Tolkien and they are actually like knew each other and were friends. And she read I believe um she, like, proofread The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and at the same time, she was an author of her own right and wrote Travel Light. And it's kind of like this fantastic fantasy story that mixes history and, uh, like, fantasy. Uh, and Michison herself is a really interesting figure. So I I, I can see why Amalo Motar is kind of, like, fascinated by her and discovering, like, this underlooked author... Uh, you know, that kind of lives in the shadow of of Tolkien, of yeah. someone as huge and influential as Tolkien, is really interesting. And I, as soon as I read *Travel Light*, I like absolutely got why it would deserve being like, uh, handpicked for being mentioned on *This Is How You Lose the Time War*. Uh, I think that that particular obsession is justified.
0: Yeah, now I'm, I know, sorry, now I'm diving in and now I'm, I'm completely fascinated with it. So yeah, I had no idea that was that connection, uh, completely went over my head. But now I I am really, really fascinated by uh, reading up more about this. And uh, we can probably put the, like a link to the article in the show notes in case people are interested yeah. in learning a little bit more about uh, these two topics. I had no idea <laughs> about, but I am. Yeah,
1: so it, it is chapter 11 where Blue adds as a postscript, uh, outright says, Should this find you near a library, I recommend Travel Lake by Naomi Michison. Uh, it's the same in all the strands in which it exists. And then I think like by chapter 14, they're still talking about uh, Michison and making references to the book. Uh, so I think it's really cute that they bond over this book. Uh, it's it's a really, yeah, it's a really great addition to, to what is already a, a very fun uh, kind of novella. I do like books referencing each other uh, this way because it like builds this network that you can then like, you know, browse through and, and find some new things along the way. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's one of the details that I found uh, were were kind of cool about uh, the way this was written.
0: Yeah, now I want to read uh, Travel Light and then reread this story so I can sort of pick up a little bit more <laughs> of the references. It makes you sort of feel yeah. like you're a little bit more a, a part of the, the ongoing narrative. Um.
1: Yeah, th- there's definitely some like parallels in my mind uh, regarding how playful these two books are about how they mix like history, mm-hmm. like a historical setting that's somewhat faithful to what was actually happening at the time and like is willing to shift to total fantasy and science fiction uh, and stuff like that. I I do really appreciate that again playfulness. I also wanted to mention, um, one of the things we were discussing before was how, again, we maybe we don't need to have all the details filled in regarding a world or like the setting, but I think that this book does a particularly good job of communicating like the mode it's in uh, through both the uh, vignettes and the letters themselves. There is this like lyrical quality to them uh, at parts, which I think, does put me in the mode of you know, just going with the flow or focusing on the way that words feel in my mouth almost before like their meaning or the exhaustiveness of the descriptions that they convey which I think does help uh, towards that you know it's not a it's not a fantasy book it's not like this is a Brandon Sanderson. Uh, novel where you want all of the details of how the magic works or whatever uh, because that's not really concerned again with being or sounding like uh lyrical Uh, but there's this quality to this book that i do think is very again like song-like almost uh which i think helps with that
0: yeah i would say there's a very deliberate um choice for each of the words that are chosen you you feel like that and I think that comes with it being like you like you were saying like a general uh, genuine correspondence uh, you know between the two authors so you, you feel you know sort of the how deliberate each word was selected and I think that even though some of the the ideas may be abstract or um you know sort of out there it does tend to sort of ground the story a little bit more because you are able to sort of um follow along with the characters because there is that sort of lyrical flow um, to the way where we're learning little bits and pieces, you know, about what's going on, you know, in, in this, this struggle that they're, they're going through.
1: Yeah. Um. Do you have a favorite like vignette out of all of the, all of the ones in the book?
0: So the one that stood out to me and I, I, I could not tell you which chapter, unfortunately. I really like the one uh, with Blue in uh, the the tea shop. Like, I believe it was like in Other London. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of how they, they called it. Um, that yes. that one was probably my favorite. That one was just, there was something about that that scene that just sort of felt like it was from a different novel, but it still worked perfectly mm. w- within this one um, that I, I just adored. So that was probably the one that would stood out to me um, that, yeah, I think that one was probably the one that really got my imagination going and where I was really just, I, at that point, I think I really like, okay, I get what this is going to be, this kind of story, you know, it can go anywhere and, you know, it's going to be, it really is about the characters and how they engage with each other, this sort of push and pull mm-hmm. effect. How about you?
1: Um, I think for me, it's the one I already mentioned, the one with the, like, robot pilgrims. I think it's like it's so wild. <laughs> I don't think there's anything. It's very early on. I think it's chapter four, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not like there's a lot of stuff before it. But it comes completely out of left field for me. Uh, it completely like it completely opens the possibility space of what I can expect from this book at that point. I feel like it's just a lot of fun. Uh, so you begin in a the the way. It, Slowly reveals what the setting is. It's also very funny uh, because we get Blue approaching a temple in a pilgrims' guise, and then, and then you immediately read stuff about circuitry and uh, like chrome and uh, like again references to typewriter keys and stuff like that. Uh, then you realize that the pilgrims are robots, uh, which she has shut down. And once she reaches the, again, like the deity that they are uh, doing the pilgrimage for or venerating, it's, it's a computer uh, which she, I think, hacks or, or confuses with something that feels like the uh, test they do on Blade Runner uh, to, to see if uh, anyone's a computer or a rather a, a robot or a person. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And then she just basically gets an email from Red uh on the computer, which again is also a very fun delivery method for that particular um uh, for that particular scene. So yeah, I, I think that's my probably my favorite vignette. I, I think it's the one that comes to mind whenever I think of this book.
0: I think that's uh pretty much it. Did you have any last uh last minute thoughts? Anything else?
1: uh no no i think that's it uh again uh short but sweet book i would say uh still one of my favorites uh from this past god i read it in 2019 it's been so long <laughs> but you know it's it's uh good enough that it's stuck in my mind since then uh it's not easy to forget i, I do think it's a very unique uh, uniquely structured book uh it's really well executed I, I do find it very memorable. I, I would recommend it. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I would say it's definitely one of those books that, you know, the writing is its strength. You know, if the writing was a little weaker, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have, uh, you know, found it as enjoyable or as, you know, cause I could, couldn't put down. Um, yeah. And, um, so yeah, I think, you know, even though it's a shorter book, we still, you know, found a bunch of stuff to talk about, you know, we're able to sort of, uh, you know, go over it. Um, I don't have the information for next month, but did you have that for what we will be discussing next month?
1: Yes. Um, so next month, we're going to be reading Death Among the Undead, which is a uh, murder mystery novel with zombies as, as part of like the premise, <laughs> uh, which sounds like fun. This is part of a, I would say, subgenre of murder mystery books. Not because of the zombie element, but because it comes from a Japanese author, and I found in the in like in recent months that there is a very like dedicated community of Japanese writers who really like the like murder mystery golden age novels, like uh, talking about Agatha Christie and uh, you know other contemporaries, mm-hmm. uh, and they seek to emulate that style and this is a book that belongs to that kind of vein of or or subgenre um which i'm really excited to read uh because you know they they do tend to have uh, some useful shortcomings like they're usually very bad at uh writing women (laughs) they're very uh, (laughs) rigid sometimes they're uh you know very concerned with like complex murder mechanics rather than character writing and that you know it's to me it's kind of charming in its own way i, I kind of already know what i'm in for f- with this one uh so we'll, we'll see how it goes this one got a bunch of like awards and award nominations mm-hmm. so it you know supposed to be one of the better ones We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm really excited to discuss it with you, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Hopefully not as late in the month as uh, (laughs) this one was. Uh, But, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes.
0: Like I said, it's been a a busy month. uh, But yeah, I I think this next one is going to be a fun one for us. I think it's our first mystery. Is it? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we've had some, I think, some short stories that were mysteries. But, like, this is going to be our first, like murder mystery so i'm i'm Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be a fun genre to to branch out and uh you know one of my my personal favorites so i i I am looking uh forward to this one for for sure um you know yeah
1: once again it's uh death among the undead by masahiro imamura
0: great i appreciate you double checking that for me i just wanted to make sure we got that in here um well you know that should pretty much do us uh, do you want to thank you for yeah. uh, for listening um, I don't want to steal your, your sign off so if you you know want to share with everyone where you can be found
1: yeah uh, people can find me over at uh, Fireblend on Twitter and more recently on Blue Sky I finally got an invite and uh, you know, clutched to it like a parachute's ripcord uh, falling out of a crumbling burning plane that is Twitter <laughs>
0: i said appreciate all you all you for listening and uh once again do you want to say
1: oh yeah Yeah. uh i almost forget (laughs) uh read on